Arrgh! Matey. As you know, I was going to do the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. But I decided I don't, I don't know. I don't have the talent for that. As you know, I'm not a pirate. And this is Measure of an Episode, where our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode, a proper Star Trek episode, a genuine Star Trek episode, and not just a Western, there let's say. Yeah. Or something else. Masquerading as a Star Trek episode. My name is Paul. And my name is Jonathan. And we do this with three, actually three, criteria. <laughs> what do you mean, actually? It's always been <laughs> It's always been three. I know. I know. But we now have a second one. The first is, is there... <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, is there something... like you're making them up. <laughs> right? The first is... <laughs> is there blue? I was going to say, are the there episode? shirts in the episode? <laughs> There are red shirts, but not in this episode. Uh, no, is there is there sci-fi that is inexorably linked to the plot? Is and the yes. second one is is there some kind of moral dilemma that is faced by some member of the cast? And the third is is the episode presented in a novel and interesting way? Right. Is that kind of or yeah, or rather is the science fiction presented in a in a novel way where okay. it's not just the same kind of thing that we've seen before in another episode? Is it is there something new and interesting? Is there a new take on it? Okay, Try so all right, well then so I, I mean with with trying that on and just kind of quick discussion, like then it does have to be all three. Kind of like what we were saying in the last uh in the last episode. Because if if it's not one, it can't be three. So if right. it checks off one, then we say, but does it check off three? Or is well, check, off in check it. off out of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Same joke. We both had same joke. Uh, the blurb oh, yeah. is. I always forget that we do this. Kirk and the crew rescue Harry Mudd and three mail order brides, in quotes, from his matchmaking service. Mudd tries to stop Kirk from bringing him to justice. So never once do they even really mention this whole mail order bride thing, nor does he talk about his whole matchmaking service. It's, it's sort of just kind of floats in this vague place of, okay, he's, he's clearly selling these women, but it's not a, it's a service. I mean, he has this drug that makes, I guess, older women pretty. Well, yeah. Or is it the, the impression that I got by the end of the episode and I, I guess kind of spoilers, but it's a very popular episode. Um, that he he sells the women when they're beautiful. They turn ugly and he goes back and picks them up. Like that was kind of the impression that I got through like by the yeah, by the end of the episode. Really? I, I didn't I didn't know that he picked them back up. I, I thought that they were sort of swindling the people who were, you know, they're <laughs> to go. I mean, here's the problem. I can't talk about this without sounding like a misogynist, but we're talking about this episode. <laughs> right. Is this yes. a con is this episode a condemnation of misogyny or is it just a satire? Well, of- I, I kind of took it as a condemnation, especially by the end. Like the fact that she held her ground and she said to this guy, you know, yeah, I could be your partner or I could be subservient and beautiful. Is that really what you want? Just me to sit here and do nothing? And then Kirk was kind of like, you know, why not both? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That, that's the obvious argument is like, well, can I have both? Right. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm the richest guy ever, although he doesn't live like the richest guy ever, but he, he's the richest person, I guess, in the galaxy. And can't you buy as much of that drug that you need to if that's really what you're looking for? Right. By the way, apparently you don't need the drug. That's that was the weirdest part of this <laughs> yes, whole thing yes. to jump to jump to the end here. So 
Okay, just just to go through it for our listeners. Call I said readers gelatin. last time, by the way. So basically what happens is they capture this guy, Harry Mudd. He's got these three uh, magnetic ladies that uh, totally intoxify, intoxify, intoxicate the men on I the like crew intoxify. of the Enterprise. Intoxify. And they they can't even walk down the, the hallway without calling attention People to themselves. Checking out they their seem asses. to have Yeah, they, they seem to have the camera. a super some sort of supernatural attraction, uh, which never really gets explored. It, it gets um, explained at the end, yeah. Sort of, but it doesn't so okay. Anyway, so we'll get that later. <laughs> but so uh, it's this kind of big mystery. We find out that they're taking this drug that makes them pretty. And they're trying to swindle these lithium miners uh, because the Enterprise needs the lithium to not fall out of the sky. And so they're going to do a deal. And Harry Mudd, he goes behind Kirk's back and contacts the miners and says, look, you can have these beautiful ladies if you give the Enterprise their lithium. And I don't know. How am I doing on this? (laughs) I feel like I'm totally messing this up. I'm trying to do a very short, concise description of the plot, and it's impossible. Well, I mean, yeah, and so they, well, just to, to quickly, like, finish up that part. So they go down to the planet, and then the girl gets stuck for reasons, and she doesn't get the medicine, and she gets she gets ugly, and so the guy who was going to buy her gets super upset, and then Kirk explains, like, or they, they eventually explain that, yeah, the, the, the there is a drug that makes her beautiful, but she becomes subservient, and so you can have a partner, blah, 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 which is what I said at the beginning of the episode. Yes, okay. So there's so a whole episode. What, we'll go into detail. That's the whole episode. <laughs> right. yeah. This is not going to be a 15-minute episode. <laughs> but what happens is, we, what I, where I thought it was going was the guy realizes and appreciates her as a partner and says, look, I don't really need you to be pretty. Oh, and, and she's it, like, thanks. It went there until the last second. Like, <laughs> and, but he, so what happens is, okay, so she takes the drug because like for, for reasons In quotes, unknown, takes she takes drug. it again. Yeah. Yep. She takes the drug and she turns beautiful again. And, and then he's like, oh, that's interesting. And she's like, what? I took the drug. And he's like, no, you took gelatin. Yeah. Or whatever they said. And so she she had the power all by herself. Right. The power was in her all along. Yeah, all along. <laughs> yeah. Which and then I was like, "What?" Right. How does the what how does this fit into the rest of the narrative of the show? Exactly. And what message are we sending here? Right. Like you can be pretty on the outside if you just think you are. <laughs> well, I mean they they definitely said it's how you carry yourself and it's the confidence you have within you that shows on the outside. Um but but yeah, like it, I I completely agree because it really did seem like that's where like he seemed disappointed that he now had this beautiful subservient woman who wouldn't be able to do anything for him because he was like you're you're fake you know that's what he said and then you know Kirk comes along and says is she though like (laughs) (laughs) I didn't understand I mean I I felt that he was antagonistic toward her because she had rebuffed him at their little shindig when they were first getting to know everybody. And I thought, Oh, that's what's driving him to be kind of an a-hole. Right. And then he continues to be, I mean, it feels like that's where the episode started in a way where, okay, this is going to be them. This is going to, this whole episode is going to be him learning that he doesn't really want just a pretty girl that he wants a partner. And by the end of the episode, that's we get to the end of the episode and that's what happens. But that's not what happens. He's right. just kind of mad at her until he's not. And so I didn't understand what the what the point of her being able to physically change herself mm-hmm. by herself. Right. How does that fit in? Yeah. Great question. Moving on. Join us next time. 
Right. Well, yeah, because like there, the episode was very clearly going in a specific direction. And it was almost like Kirk or Kirk. What's his name? William T. Kirk or Jenner? or the producers or something. I mean, OK, so they the producers actually did step in on this episode. This uh, what's what's really interesting about this episode on the backside of things is it was one of the first written. It was a, it was one of three that was tossed around for the pilot. And then they went with the uh, um, the. The Glass Menagerie? Is that what it's called? What? What is it? This happens all... Uh, you you say this trivia all the time about, oh, we have this really crap episode that we thought would be good for the pilot. What do you think? And they're like, mm, what else you got? And they're like, we got this other really good episode that we were thinking about doing, but we threw it away. It's like... <laughs> right. The Glass Cage or whatever. The Christopher Pike episode, the one that they actually wound up going with. Um, and then that didn't get picked up and they had, they had to make a couple changes. And so the next pilot that they were going to do, this one was also considered. And so they turned it down. So clearly there was produce, uh, like studio production involvement in this episode and the scripting and that sort of thing. So it may have been that they did want the episode to end with her just being the ugly one, you know, and him, him ugly one in quotes. Cause you know, it was all they did was mess up her hair. Right. <laughs> They gave her some some horn rimmed glasses and right. put her hair in a ponytail. Yep. yep. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> you were not going to prom. Um, so, and they, you know, they, it may have been that ending, and the the studio was like, no, it, it has to be. She has to be able to get her beauty back. Like that's the important part. And Gene Rodberry is like, have you read the script? Uh, so, yeah, I. I- I didn't understand. I didn't get the message. I felt like the message was was either totally not present or or diluted in some way. I couldn't wrap my brain around so, so much. Too much was flying at me at any given time. <laughs> so because so they had these three women. So many layers. It was such a deep episode. <laughs> so two of the miners, I guess, married two of the other women. Now, when we say miners, and, we mean people who were digging in a mine. We haven't clarified that. <laughs> They already did this joke in Galaxy Quest. Could they be the miners? Sure. I mean, they're like three years old. Miners, not miners. You lost me. Anyway, I just didn't understand. That's why I asked, is this a condemnation of misogyny? Because it's not like we get to the end and the character, whatever his name is, learns a lesson about this. They're all kind of still oogling at her. By the way, uh... So why do all the women in this show, when they're supposed to be beautiful women, look like the genie from I, Dr- I Dreamed of Genie? Is that just a 60s look and that's what everybody looked like? Or are they are they kind of piggybacking off the success of that show? Right. Um, yeah, I think, I, well, I, it's an easy look up, but I do think it has to do with piggybacking off of the success of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. Um, and just right. those those women dressing and appearing that way. And then, right. and there's obviously the um, the shadow lighting where just the eyes are lit up. Yeah, and they did that thing where they put Vaseline on the lens. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The part that I didn't get was that are they actually casting some sort of magical spell on these on these men? Because they all kind of just they they're all boner struck whenever they see these women. And I didn't. It wasn't clear because he they were having an effect on the doctor's panel, which never really gets explained. Right. Um, yeah. That was. <laughs> And <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> and they all talk about how can you like they are you wearing some sort of perfume or there's something going like they when they're not when the women aren't in the room, they're actually able to have 
regular conversations about them, kind of objective conversations, mm-hmm. not objectifying conversations, right. but objective conversations about what could possibly be happening. Right. And, and they don't really come to any conclusion, but they're trying to sort it out, but they never, that just gets dropped at a certain point. Yeah. I thought it was stated in the episode, but I could be wrong. The impression that I got was that they were, when they were made more attractive, they were also releasing those pheromones that made people find them attractive and desirable. And I just, but I thought that they were just, so when we, when they get to the part where they take the pill that makes them pretty again, Mm -hmm. it, they never said, Oh, this is also having some sort of effect on men. It, It makes you release a magical pheromone that attracts men. They just said it makes me look pretty. So yeah, I understand that they're supposed to, they were presented in a way that made them the prettiest things in the universe, but they didn't say if, it, if there was anything else going on. See, they I never thought, get there. I thought Mud did say that when he was explaining the, the Venus drug, the new Venus drug or whatever it was called. I, I thought oh, that he, I, I thought he said that because there, there was that part on the bridge, which I loved, you know, where Kirk said, and they are incredibly beautiful. And Moses is like, are they? Because, you know, really, pound for pound, measurement for measurement, are they really any more beautiful than the loveliest women we've seen elsewhere? <laughs> See, this is the this is the weird part is are they just is is the show just being misogynist or are they commenting on misogyny? Right. With that conversation. It's like, well, she was a 10. I don't know. But the other one was a nine and a half. It's like, I don't know, nine and a half, 10, nine and a half. It's like, what do you? I guess I don't know if this is a misogynist conversation or not. But, you know, he, like Kirk said, she's smoking hot. And Bones is saying, well, I'm not denying she's attract- She's attractive. But is she really so much more attractive than any other attractive woman that we've seen before? And, you know, I've, I feel like that's more along the lines of what you were saying, where th- Bones was objectively looking at the level of attractiveness that these women had, and they weren't just high five and going, "Yeah, she's hot," but they're all hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, maybe they were trying to be science fiction. Science fiction. Maybe they're trying to be scientific about it and saying, "Well, are we are we under some sort of spell?" Right. So he, he says those things, and then he, you know, and he's like, "Or you know, is there is there something about them that makes my you know makes my panel go bleep?" <laughs> and Kirk is mortified. <laughs> you will not speak about that on my bridge. <laughs> Just the mere fact you call it a panel tells me not ready. <laughs> nice deep cut. So I don't know, but but in terms of us having a misog, I don't think our conversation is misogynistic or misogyny, misogynized. We're not misogyny. Misogynized. Really? It's misogynized milk. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice the uh, the coffee stains on the crappy carpet of the Enterprise Bridge? It's, I did not. Front and center. No. Yeah, definitely terrible coffee stains. On the bridge? Like coffee. It could be anything. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, Janeway time travels back. Right. And spills, spills coffee when she's throwing it at somebody. And she goes, suck it, bitches. It goes back. <laughs> well, there's quite a bit of, of bridge work at the beginning of this episode that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. There's... It's like they used a, a handheld camera. There's a lot of camera work. It was actually a, a, kind of nice. It was very cinematic. Well, you were the only one because the director was <laughs> never called back because oh, he because of that. Well, kind of because he went a day over filming budget, the filming schedule, and uh, they it was because of how long it took to set up the camera for those shots. 
Oh, I, I I liked it. It was worth it for me. Right. I mean, it probably cost them twice as much to film the episode. Yeah. But. And just uh, oh, two two more little bits of trivia. There um, there was also a whole bunch of color in this episode because it was the first season, and NBC was touting how like they they now had all color televisions and shows would be produced in all colors. And so one of the executive producers, not a studio producer, he, he basically like called them out on it. You know, he said, all right, well, if they're going to say they can show all the colors, we're going to film in all the colors. So there was a lot of bright blues and purples and greens in the background. Yeah, a lot of hard lighting mm-hmm. and a lot of close ups. Yeah. And uh, you could tell that they they wanted to show off the makeup of the women. Right. Because there were several close ups where they were obviously it was obviously like a beauty shot, uh-huh. but, but also to show the colors. You could you could tell. Yeah. Yeah. Ostensibly his name was Leo Walsh, but this is in fact Harry Mudd. When he first beams on board, he's under an alias because uh-huh. he wants to protect himself. Uh and clearly Leo Walsh is his stage name because he absolutely came from a Pirates of the Caribbean audition. <laughs> Cause he's got I mean, I don't, I don't even know what you, kind of hat you call that, where it's sort of triangular. It looks very kind of medieval, like what a medieval. Well, yeah, and it's it's got like the the side rim pulled up, and he's he's got the yeah blooming sleeves on his blouse and the yeah, and the pirate earring. Yep, it just yep. felt and the boots. Why is he dressed like this? Right. Yeah. Well, and so again, like uh, the the re- one of the reasons why this episode wasn't picked for the pilot, the the new the second pilot was because the studio said we probably shouldn't start our show with a space pimp hooking out or uh, <laughs> selling space hookers. Oh, it's so much better. Space pimp is so much better. But he's like the version. So you know the guys that that walk around that sort of dress like cowboys but mm. have no adjacency to that way of life at all. Yes. We know someone very similar, very, we are both very <laughs> familiar with, right. It's me. It's me. <laughs> I do. <that. laughs> we are both very familiar with someone who dresses like that. Yeah. Or like a, and, a biker, like kind of dresses like that. Yeah. I get you. Well, it, where it's just, you're or just dressing like this. <laughs> they just dress like one and talk well, like one. We know what douches <laughs> dress like specifically. Yes. But maybe that's that is the the cowboy douche of of space. They dress <laughs> cowboy like, plus douche equals pirate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe that's the only thing they can explain. So okay, so we get through it, and they have this little conversation uh, with Scotty, where he says the Enterprise is a hundred million gross tons. That's and, a lie. Well, okay, so I looked it up. Right, and the heaviest aircraft carrier right now. Oh, okay. I I'll do you I could better. find was a hundred thousand tons. Okay, and those things are giant, and I think thousands and thousands of people work on them. I'm not sure about that, but I know a lot of people work on an aircraft carrier. Right, and so to give that kind of scale means it's ten times as big volumetrically uh, than than an aircraft, the heaviest, biggest aircraft carrier. That's a that's humongous. Right. What, what's what's your one better? The weight of a USS Constitution class heavy cruiser uh, for the for Starfleet is one hundred ninety thousand tons. So he exaggerated oh, oh. <laughs> by five hundred percent, which is in the, in the character of Scotty because in the next gen, uh, what's it called? Prophet, prophet, the prophet, relics, Pro, relics. Yeah, <laughs> I would have gotten there. That's what I said. I've heard it both yeah. ways. <laughs> he says. 
you always exaggerate to you know to come in you know under promise and over deliver type of thing. Oh right 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 right. So he does say that. So I guess that's within the character. But that that's a big. That, I mean that's that's a huge exaggeration. Yeah, huge exaggeration. <laughs> Maybe he was uh, like, well, he's never going to weigh it anyway. <laughs> There's no space scales. Idiot. <laughs> now who's the idiot? <laughs> Give me my drink back. <laughs> It's your accent. I'm just trying to <laughs> No, just him, like, just recounting at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him it's over, what was it? It's over 100 million, right? Yeah. It's over 100 million gross tons. He walks out and Spock's like, you know, Scotty. <laughs> you and I know, no, it's not true. <laughs> uh, whatever. It's not like he's going to weigh it. <laughs> Give me back my drink. You heard the story. What do you mean? Because I don't want to wear them anymore. That's why I took them off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought there was going a ceremonial procession. I was going to go get my kilt. <laughs> what are you looking at me for anyway? <laughs> so they have the trial of Harry Mudd. Which is very peculiar because oh. this is the first time that number one that I've we've seen the Enterprise policing space right yeah where th- this person Harry Mudd is not up to date on his licenses and so they have to have this little mini trial uh, I guess coming to con- the conclusion that he doesn't he's not up to date and it's also I think kind of the first episode of the original series where the complete absence. Uh, where there there is a complete absence of this whole lack of financial incentive that supposedly Star Trek people have, because it's he, this person Harry Mudd, who for all I can tell is human, he seems to be totally financially incentivized. Right. So I don't. It was weird. It's almost like they this was written before they had totally fleshed out this whole idea or this this vision of the future. It it could be, uh, but it could also because Gene Roddenberry was very heavily involved in this episode, um, being one of the one of the potential mm-hmm. pilots. Um, but it could also be kind of what we talked about earlier, where if you're part of the Federation, you're never for want. You know, every everything is provided to you. Yeah, just that, just that everything is provided to you. And so, since Harry Mudd is not part of the Federation, I mean, the the lithium crystals was also, you know, they were also. He, he said that, you know, that he they were willing they they were authorized to compensate them generously or right. something like that. Right. Which is sort of the same conversation we had about quarks and deep space. Yeah. Mining yeah, and, exactly. And that whole thing. I no. will say that um, the conversation that Picard has with Lily in First Contact, the movie mm-hmm. that he says that essentially does he say it or does somebody another some character says that all of poverty disease, everything is, is totally eliminated within 50 years or something like that of the Vulcans showing up on earth. So maybe that sort of reverts a little bit, uh, as time goes on that, that there are humans who want to be financially incentivized. And so they don't participate with that culture. They go off and do their own thing, but, but there is kind of a, I mean, it, it sort of speaks to there doesn't seem to be any plausible explanation as to why a society that is based on humans 
would could ever get to the point of being not financially incentivized. Right. So it sort of speaks to that because they can't they keep making episodes where there are humans who are totally financially incentivized. Even in in next gen there's uh-huh. mention of money and stuff. Right. So I don't know if that's just the poor foundation of saying an altruistic but but not really sturdy kind of idea that oh well we don't we got to, we get to a point where we don't need money anymore we don't we've we've evolved past that and i don't know without without fleshing that out which they never did they kind of run into these problems when they write these episodes cuz a lot of interesting plot lines can be made from that kind of you know from swarmy guys like like harry mud right well so the the way that i've uh, I, I've sun, since come to understand it. Uh, well, specifically the the United Federation of Planets and, and Earth kind of being the hub of that was uh, once, and I, I do think this would happen once we realize that there is life off of this planet. Uh, first off, like religion is going to completely turn on its head. Uh, but second off, um, I think that we would we would no longer be worried about a regional. Regional security and regional, just the 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 level of abundance, like the um, like how how much how much the people are are flourishing. That's kind of where, where I'm trying to go with that. We would bond, we we would unite as a planet, and kind of start to start to work together as as a single entity rather than a, a world of nations. Yeah, I, I think that that would I, that would obviously happen. I think I don't know, especially if we perhaps considered these aliens a threat. I think that we would kind of band together saying, look, we keep killing each other. That's just, we're doing (laughs) the job for them. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that that would happen. I don't know about the whole money thing though. I know there's never been a good episode that really establishes. Okay. So what's the driving incentive now? And I can, I I mean, we've talked about how I could possibly be, well, you're, your whatever you happen, whatever you want that thing to be, that's what it is. You can you can pursue your own drive, I guess. But no one's ever like really fleshed that out for me. For for me to say, okay, I get it now. I get it why there's no money in Star Trek anymore. Right. And I but they never really they never usually go outside of the Federation aspect, mm-hmm. um, unless they go to Picard's farm, right? Where they <clears throat> where he sells wine, mud wrestle for a while. Yeah. Does he sell it? I mean, it's a lot of work growing wine. Right. And the idea they're just giving it away for, for what? I mean, do they get for the Federation in return? Yeah. I guess so. For Picard to give away to people. Yeah. Um, to, to give away to girlfriends before he sends them to their death. So they beam down to the lithium mine surface and it has this really neat, obviously it's redone, but it has a really neat establishing shot. And it kind of made me wonder again, what was there originally? Uh-huh. What did it look like? I'm guessing it was probably a matte painting without while they throw like bread flour across, the, across the lens <laughs> to make it look like it's, but I am curious what, I, I wonder if there's a way I can f- like watch these with the original effects. It's so, I'm so bummed when oh, I see that they're redone. I mean, they, right. I wonder, they look yeah. better. They look better, but I, in a way I kind of want the charm of the 1960s effects. Well, you know? yeah, like we'd be, we'd have more, It'd be nice to talk about that as well, you know, talk about like whether or not the effects still yeah. held up or if it looked really cheesy now or something. I'm sure it will look just as bad as the original space effects, you know, I'm just, just but, but pleasingly so. Right. 
you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mock them for having crappy effects in 1960. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, that wouldn't be, so, it just would be fun to talk about, as you said. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, there's such a huge difference between the special effects in Star Trek and the special effects on Doctor Who. Like the special effects in Star Trek, they were doing the best they could at the time. And the special effects on Doctor Who, they leaned into the limited budget that they had. Um, right. You know, like they, they very much were like, uh, and the lights are flashing because there's lightning type thing. I mean, they were, they were kind of winking at us. Yeah, kind bit. of. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, they, they definitely put some effort into it because they did have a budget. And they did have a TV show that they wanted to stay, keep successful, but they, they did not put, they didn't stretch every dollar as far as they could. You know, they were like, right. here's what $3, here's what $3 is going to get us. It's not, we have $3. What can we do with it? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, but maybe after this show, we should do a Doctor <laughs> Who and spend the next thirteen years. Uh, <laughs> won't it be much longer than that? Wouldn't it? Won't it be maybe not? I don't know. Well, yeah. Um, however, if people are enjoying this enough that they are willing to contribute, and we are able to actually supplement this in some way, we would be able to produce more episodes each week rather than only one a week because that's what time Once will allow. Week? Yeah, and maybe. For all of our Patreon users, we would have a poll of which show should we do. Doctor Who is definitely something that we would think about. Um, what else could we do? Muppet Babies? That's something <laughs> I mean, there's just so many spinoffs from that. <laughs> but I mean, we we could obviously do whatever we wanted to do. So maybe that would be one way we could do it is we'd have a paywall show. Yeah. That's true. It's like fun. Yeah. If there were yeah. if there were enough contributors. Um, if there were enough contributors. Yeah. Um, the one thing that was cut from the episode completely, it was never it was never filmed. Um, and basically everybody who was part of it was was upset that it was cut. Um, was Mud actually talking to Uhura and trying to persuade her uh to the benefits of taking the the new Venus drug. Um and just his his monologue with her and the and the conversation that they had with it. Um it just it was cut for time, but but yeah, everybody was that would have been interesting. Depend depending on what they talked about, it would have been interesting to hear how Harry I want to say Harry Crumb, <laughs> but Harry Mud how Harry Mud convinces these women right. to do to basically be subject subjectified objectified yeah subjected to objectification and I to maybe in a way get Uhura part of the way there of like this sounds very interesting you know what I mean like just n- not getting her to the point where she's packing right but. Give Harry Mudd a little bit more depth as to just not just being a liar. Right. It would have been interesting to hear to hear that that explanation. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Um, I think that it would have been I, I feel like it would have added a little bit more to the uh, the sci fi element of it, um, yeah. you know, being able to yeah. give that little bit of an explanation behind it. Well, you can only add uh, to nothing. <laughs> touche, touche. That's definitely one way I hadn't considered looking at it. Yeah. So this definitely is not a Star Trek episode uh, in my in my book. Okay. I don't think there was any science fiction in this show that wasn't just bleeps and bloops and they used the transporter a couple of times. Right, right. It really could have just been a Western, which it partly was. I mean, half of the cast at a certain point was wearing Western clothing. Yeah. No, I – see, I'm, I'm like – I'm 60% agreeing with you, so we'll just leave it at that. No. <laughs> So question for you about the um, the new Venus drug. They explain what it does, but they don't explain 
how it does it. So is that magic or is that sci-fi? I suppose that's most of what Bones does with his with his pills whenever he gives somebody a shot that it seems to cure them of something, but we don't know how. But it, it's not explored in any way. He just they take the pills and they get pretty. Right. I feel like they that could that could be plastic surgery for all we know, you know, or or something like that. And also it turns into magic anyway at the end where she can just magically yeah. alter her physical makeup without this pill. Right. Nope. So that's that's why I was so confused. Right. Yeah, no that's that's totally a fair argument. All right. Yeah, I'm that's that pushes me enough over that I'm willing to agree that that part is not um that there wasn't sci-fi right. inexorably linked to the plot. So <laughs> Well, did you like the episode? I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I liked the characters. I definitely liked the banter that, that Kirk had with uh, with Bones. And it was fun to see Nimoy before he fully understood Spock or to see Spock trying very hard not to give in to the magic of the girls. Because there was a lot. He actually l- smiles. Yeah, there was he a lot of smirking in this episode from yeah. him, you know, of like, oh, you humans and you... You're succumbing to your emotions. Ha ha ha. Wait, I just laughed. Yeah, he's, he's, very, he's very amused at everything going on. Yeah. And even at the end, like the his little smirk at the end, you know, the fact that my my intestines don't align with human intestines pleases me to no end. You know, as he goes skipping back to his comm station. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Spock had sort of this, they had this kind of rivalry between I guess in between him and the humans, rest of the humans on the ship, that he he didn't like being part human, or that he had some sort of disdain, a la Tuvok, I guess, for for humans. Yeah, I mean, well, he he doesn't hate his human part in the same way that Bolana does, like, or hate in the same way that Bolana hates her Klingon part. He just acknowledges that it's there, but prefers to be Klingon. And so, anything that demonstrates that he is not human just helps prove his point even more. I, I, that's again, you know, I'm, I'm projecting a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, but <laughs> that's, that's always the impression. Cause you love your Klingon side, <laughs> but that's always the impression that I've gotten from Spock is, is that he doesn't, he doesn't hate his Klingon or, or his human side. He just accepts that it's there and, but you know, prefers to be Vulcan or Vulcanian as Harry Mudd called him. <laughs> I wonder if that was considered canon until it wasn't. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I I felt like this was a very frustrating episode because there were parts of it that were that could have been very interesting to me. Yes. That not even not even for the plot line, but just kind of the little bits and pieces like the asteroid chase that was kind of fun uh where they were chasing Harry Mud through the asteroid uh-huh. field. Yeah. But they but they just nothing was really explored. They I felt like they were Jumping around so much, they didn't really have time to be patient with any one thing. And I, I felt like I would have liked it more, whether it was science, had science fiction in it or not, just settling on something and, and exploring it as opposed to jumping around. Although I will say there is one sequence where Eve sort of escapes and not escapes, like she leaves the, the mining <laughs> in, house. Yeah, into the hut. sand wind. Yeah. And she, I don't know what her plan is, but she leaves. <laughs> and so Kirk goes and chases her. And they clearly only have the 10 by 10 area of the alien planet they can throw sand around. And it's supposed to be that there's so much sand that they can't see anybody. 
and they're just kind of wandering around without being able to see anything. But it, it felt like a naked gun sequence because they're obviously five steps away from each other and they can't see each other. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like when Frank Drebin is they're having a shootout right. and they're like two feet away right. from each other, just like mystic- hiding yeah. behind the thing. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted it I wanted there to be some sort of depth to it, but there was just no depth. It was just kind of oh, this is the part where he says something swarmy and this is the part where they say something pretty, I guess. I don't know. Just going back to your, your point about the, just nothing was being explored. I feel like even if they touched on everything that they touched on, if there was one element that they had actively explored or just explained, like why did his sensors go bleep? Or yeah, they never go to it. You yeah. know, why why do people go crazy around the women? I Again, I do feel like they did say that the drug elevated their pheromones, uh, but- that again might have been me at the beginning going, Oh, they're probably elevating their pheromones and making all the people attracted to them, and that's why they're getting so right. distracted. And then at the end, when they explained you're, you're, it, I filled in those gaps. That would have been fun. That would have been fun if there was some scientific explanation as to why they weren't just pretty women, that they were actually being, right? Uh, I don't know, drugged in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I think, right, I think. Because none of these things were explored and or explained, there there was sci-fi in the plot, but it wasn't it it's like you said, like this could have been a western, you know, where or more of a uh like a seafaring one. Cause I, I you know, like the out at out at sea, this other ship gets destroyed and they bring on the four crewmen. And these men have been out at sea for so long that they see these three women and they're just incredibly beautiful. Um, just because they've been at sea for so long, you know, and then, right. and then it turns out that like they're, they're gussied up they in herpes. some way. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see that. Right. <laughs> the, the concept was not a science fiction concept. Yeah. It was just sort of gussied up to use a Western word. Right. Gussy. Yeah. That's a, that's a guy who's dressed up like a female. A gussy. Yeah. <laughs> it's also what I call my dad. <laughs> it's appropriate. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen. Should, should I keep that? In? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it was a frustratingly disappointing episode for me. I wanted more out of it because they had a lot of little nuggets that they just didn't develop. Yes. Because you develop nuggets. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. You grow them. Um, you <laughs> plant little chicken seeds. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> It being revered as much as it is, it's sad to say that it's not a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah. I can see why maybe everybody liked the the guy who played Harry Mudd. He's sort of fun to watch. Right. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, he's got, in two he's other episodes kind of a, after this. Yeah. Like he's – I think he's yeah. – I wonder, I wonder how many recurring characters there are that are not main characters. I wonder if he's the only one. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, mean, I can see why. He, he does kind of have a charisma to him. Right. But – it, if that's all, that's not really, I don't know. I don't get it. Don't, well, but I think, I, I think that that is, you know, exactly the point. Like he, it, it's a fun episode as more than likely are the other two. And so people enjoy watching these episodes because, because the characters and, and the banter and the interaction is fun to watch. Right. But right. the, it's comfortable. Yeah. But the episode, at least this episode. And I, I, I mean, I think at least one other one is sci-fi, but, but yeah. this one, at least the, the first one first introduction of him is is not proper star trek still a fun episode and you know i still understand why it's on the top tens and i would not argue that for being best like tv episodes of star trek but if we wanted to say proper star trek episodes this is not one yep 
Agreed. Good talk. <laughs> All right, should we see what we're watching next? Yes. Proving Ground, episode 13 of season three of The Enterprise. The Enterprise crew has found the location of the testing site for the Zindi weapon. Oh, nice. And gets some rather unexpected help. Mm. And the thumbnail gives away the, the unexpected help. So that's fun. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I feel like we need a little bit of help from the blurbs at this point because they're, they're full serial mode on Enterprise. And we're just jumping in in the middle of these episodes where 